Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. I think it's the best show on the air ever that has been. It's weird how good it is. It's so strange. The Bob Seska Show. Former Nation's Capital, it is Wednesday, April 26, 2023, and this is the Bob Seska interview on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 826 of the Biden-Harris administration, 559 days until the 24 presidential election. You can find me on Instagram, the Bob Seska, Twitter, Bob Seska underscore go, spoutable Bob Seska, and our Patreon page is bobseskashow.com. All right, so today we're doing something a little bit different. Back in... 2021. Buzz Burbank, aka Mike Elston, my Tuesday co-host and radio mentor of 30 years now, informed me that he had been diagnosed with prostate cancer and that he had a limited number of years left to live. To say it was heartbreaking news um, doesn't even begin to describe how devastated I was. We haven't talked about it publicly for reasons Buzz is going to talk about on today's show, but now that he's ready to go public, Our sincere hope in discussing all of this is that perhaps his story will encourage the men in our audience to keep track of their prostate health, as well as to stand in solidarity with any of you who might be confronting this horrible, horrible disease. And by the way, spoiler, there's a happy conclusion to Buzz's story. Okay, this is me and Buzz talking about prostate cancer. Bob Seska plays more music. You know what I hate, Bob? Uh, I, I hate it when uh, old people talk about their maladies. <laughs> but but that's not exactly what I'm here to do today, and thank you for having me. I've wanted to do what we're going to do today for a very long time, mm-hmm. uh, but I wanted to wait because yeah. I didn't want people feeling sorry for me. Um uh, I guess we should start, uh, really, th- this story, the meat of this story starts uh, in 2019. Okay. Uh, as as all bad things did. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, it, in February of 2019, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Now, that's not unusual in itself. It, it, a lot of guys, a lot of men get that. Unfortunately, mine had been caught late. Um, yeah. I, my your PSA for uh, is supposed to be four or less, uh, maybe five and a half in older men. Just so, so, never, so people are aware, it, the PSA it, is what uh, it stands for. It stands for a prostate specific uh, prostate specific antigen. Right, and it's just a, a measurement of uh, the chemistry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's a bad PSA test doesn't necessarily mean you have prostate cancer. Yeah, it could mean there's just a mild infection, mm-hmm. which is treated with antibiotics. Sure, and in, in the early days of this, when before the diagnosis in, in 2019, uh, before I moved to Florida, in fact, when I was still living in Fairfax, Virginia, and I had the great doctors there, um, uh, it was noticed that my PSA had gone to six. Well, that's above hmm. the certainly above the 5.5, certainly above the four that it should have been, and that's considered concerning. Yeah. So it was decided uh, that they would do a biopsy of my prostate. Fun. Uh, this is not fun. Yeah. Uh, it's twelve needles. It's Ugh. twelve needles that 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 are hollow that take samples, tissue samples. Yeah, and uh, you're injected a dozen times with these 
hollow needles. And uh, at first they, they tried to numb you up, but trust me, you still feel it. Yeah. Uh, and, and the after effects of that, I, I won't even describe because they're too graphic. But, uh, and, and, and worst of all about that test, it turned up absolutely nothing. All 12 samples, I was told at the time, had come back negative. Wow. No cancer. Huh. Uh, you don't have cancer, Kit. Get yeah, out of here. Yeah, yeah. And and then I moved, and uh, then I had other doctors, and doctors changed. Doctors came and went. I had left where I was and went to a new place, so there's no medical continuity here. And that was part of what led to my very severe problem. Yeah. Uh, doctors along the way would notice the higher PSA and say, oh, well, it's probably just a minor infection. Here's an antibiotic. Uh, you know, go on your way. You should be fine. Yeah. Uh, but concern increased. And finally one doctor said, you know, you need to go see a urologist. Mm. Uh, this is, this is serious. Cause I was up to, I don't know what I was up to, but by the time I got to the urologist, uh, my PSA, which was supposed to be down around maybe five at that point in my life, uh, had reached 175. Oh my God. That's a little higher than five. Wow. God um, damn. And it was diagnosed uh, in February, March of 2019 as advanced, aggressive prostate cancer. Gleason, Gleason 9 out of 10, stage 2. Uh, the medicine didn't seem to be working initially, and I was given three to five years to live. Jesus. So, so uh, let's back up just one little step. Yeah. When you get that diagnosis, you're in the doctor's office, and he lays this out for, or she lays this out for you. Mm-hmm. What's your immediate reaction to that? Uh, shock and deep sadness, of yeah, course. Yeah. Um, I'm pleased to say that, uh, and maybe we should get cut right to this, uh, I am now in remission. Yes. Um, I'm now free and clear, but this was a hell of a journey. And there's a reason I want to tell this story. Yeah. Like I said, it's not necessarily all that uncommon, but I may repeat this several times today. All men over the age of 50, black men, all black men under the age of 40 uh, should get tested for PSA. Uh, pay attention to this very closely, at least once yeah. a year, yeah. because if you're not careful, it can, uh, as with me, get away from you. Now, I want to talk about why else this got away from me. Uh-huh. I, I, I was, um, I was a sexually active person. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that all has changed <laughs> rather radically. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, at the, along the way, so I, I, I would take uh, herbal supplements that were supposed to increase the body's natural production of testosterone. Right. And uh, the problem with that is, is I was feeding a cancer that I didn't know I had. Um, because this uh, prostate cancer feeds on testosterone. To defeat the cancer, among other things, you must starve it of testosterone. Yeah. And I was, in, in effect, feeding it. Uh, I had been misdiagnosed. Uh, it's just an infection. Here's some antibiotics. And the National Cancer, Cancer Institute, and whether, uh, one other institute I can't track down right now. Yeah. But the National Cancer Institute once described the PSA controversy, quote, using the PSA test to screen men for prostate cancer is controversial because it is not yet known for certain whether this test actually saves lives, end quote. <laughs> oh, no. Other studies, call, other studies called it useless. One mm. research institute that put out a study saying, eh, the PSA may be not so important. Uh, I wrote them a sternly worded letter <laughs> yeah. when I thought that I only had three to five years to live, and they did, for whatever that's worth, write me a letter of apology. I'm not a lit- litigious person. I have no interest in going after any doctor or any institute or anything yeah. else. Um, uh, my life has changed uh, dramatically. The good news is I get to live. And yeah. and so I wanted to, but, but this is a horrifying journey, and uh, I, I just want everybody, every all men, to be uh, conscious of their PSA. I, I know most of you, many of you, don't like going to doctors, but but you have to because. Uh, I, I, let me give you some some examples. Um, uh, they put me on uh, immediately on an anti-hormone therapy. I took one oral medication daily, just a little mm-hmm. pill, no big deal, and it had uh, you know I hadn't noticed no side effects. 
and then uh, particularly, and then I would get a shot, uh, a hormone-fighting shot every six months. I call them anti-hormone therapy. Yeah. I think it's a kind of hormone that suppresses the production of testosterone without boosting estrogen or female hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I, one reason I still have a voice. My, my voice didn't go up squeaky high like Ron DeSantis <laughs> uh, because, uh, you know, I still... It, 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 it nothing. I didn't become female. I became asexual. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, as I said, sex had been a very important part of my life, as it is with almost everybody. Many people, certainly. Uh, mm-hmm. Anybody who knows anything about my past knows it was important. Uh, and it, it's ironic, uh, in a way, that um, this would happen to uh to me did it take some time to kind of wrap your head around that aspect of everything too on top of everything else on top of uh, oh my god i might die in five years as i like to say in my stand-up routine uh (laughs) (laughs) i said i have a lot more time for reading now oh Uh, I am I'm more valuable to your show now <laughs> because <laughs> because I actually spend some time reading. Uh, it, it changes your life. I was surprised that it yeah. didn't devastate me. I can't say that for everybody. I want to warn guys, if you don't want to lose what I lost prematurely before yeah. your time, uh, keep checking that PSA because you will lose that aspect. And with the hormone therapy that they started me on, uh, and, and by the way, it was considered metastasized. The cancer had spread to a lymph node yeah. uh, nearby. Uh, it's called local metastasization, something nearby it, it spread to. Uh, I, you know, the hormone medicine only works for like two or three years. Yeah. And so we, or it may be a little longer. It could be five in some people. It, it only works around, insofar as it's only effective for a certain length yeah, of time. It and only, you have to re-up it or. Right. Yeah. It only keeps your PSA and your testosterone only under control for so long. Yeah. And then at a certain point, it's just not effective at that anymore. I see. Okay. And so your numbers start to go back up again. You go, uh-oh, well, this is not good. We're going in the wrong direction here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, the hormone therapy not only robbed me of sexuality, but uh, by the way, I can, I, I won't, but I'll, I could tell women now uh, it's okay to undress in front of me, uh, <laughs> because I, I, I don't, you know, I have an aesthetic appreciation, but I, you know, yeah. everyone's safe. Everyone is safe now, uh, but <laughs> well, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad, but, uh, you know, it, it this is a, it, it's a. It's a big thing. And not only do you lose your sexuality, but you lose uh, upper body strength. You lose, you have weight gain. Uh, Your muscles are not as strong as they used to be. Oh, I can still, you know, I still do my lawn work and all that, and it's fine, you know. Uh, But you lose that sort of male advantage in upper body strength that men normally have. And uh, so there are a number of prices to pay for that and and now because of the hormone therapy I need to go get a cardiologist because of the long-term effects of yeah. the hormone therapy that I continue to take. So, mm-hmm. uh, but that's fine. It's preventative. I don't have heart trouble. They just want to make sure I don't get it. Uh, but it's something you, you got to watch. So you go through all that, and then suddenly this hormone uh, medicine stops working. Yeah. Well, now what do we do? Hello, radiation. And that was the next step. I was promised yeah, yeah. from the very beginning there'd be no chemotherapy. Uh-huh. But uh, when the hormone therapy stopped working on its own, it was time to turn to radiation. I see. So you had injections and then you had pills at the same time, and neither one of right. those medications were working anymore? They just Your they, body they, became they, adapted to them? and. They, they had both stopped. Yeah, yeah, I don't know exactly why that is or what adapts to what. But okay. I, I, and I still get the shot every six months All right. uh, that, I, that I've gotten from the very beginning. And I will tell you that the loss of, of sex drive happened uh, once the hormone treatment started. I'm going to say within two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I just mean like all interest in sex is gone. I am mm. uh, I'm neutered. I'm asexual. Uh, you know, and, and that's, like I said, it's a shocking thing. The loss of strength and stamina, uh, in, in uh, physical activity is, uh, is, is rather devastating, but I'm alive. And, uh, these various treatments and great, great doctors saved me. Uh, one terrifying moment through it all, uh, the, the, so uh, I go in now, I see a, the new urologist, uh, here in Florida, uh, after the one failed in Virginia to find anything. 
and uh, he looks at the previous test and says, oh, well, they, they, they missed something here. And so he, he goes in for another 12-needle biopsy. Oh, God. And, and so and I knew what that was. But they, and they did the, the shot that's supposed to numb me, and then they went in with the first of 12 needles, and I am surprised that they didn't hear me in the lobby. Wow. Uh, the scream that I let out because it was the most intense, focused pain I'd ever felt in my life. And then he went for number two. And then he started, I think he did three, and he said, do you want me to stop? Are you, are you kidding me? Oh. Yes, yes, I want you to stop. And he knew to stop, and the reason he was okay with stopping and not getting the 12 samples that you're normally as a doctor required to get he knew from the pain that the uh, the anesthetic had been absorbed by the cancer and had not numbed me, and I was feeling every bit of that. And he knew from my physical reaction that it was cancer. He didn't even have to wait for the results to come back, and that was that was the devastating moment. Wow. Uh, because that's that's when it became certain. And then the results came back, and it was exactly as he predicted. And then, after seeing him for, I don't know, a year, I went one day, and he wasn't there anymore. Hmm. And I said, what what happened? And no one would talk to me about it. Now, I'll tell you, this doctor, uh, I described him to another, another doctor once as gruff but lovable. Uh, he he uh, didn't have great people skills, but for hmm. whatever reason, I got along with him okay. I understood why other people hated him, but I, I could work with him. I, you know, I you're a radio a guy. You, you worked with, you worked with I other guess. radio guys. You know how to handle I, people like that. I guess. Well, he was, he was very arrogant, uh, and, uh, could be very insulting to people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he was, uh, really quite a character. I, I understand. I don't know precisely why he was fired, but I'm not surprised that he was fired. I'll put it that way. But this was the guy who, this is the guy who brought me to the dance. This is the guy who diagnosed me. Yeah. This is the guy who stopped the 12 needle biopsy at three uh, because he knew correctly uh, what he had come across. And uh, it's uh, unusual. Um, uh, like I said, lots and lots of men get prostate cancer. This was advanced, aggressive, metastasized, Gleason 9 out of 10, three to five years uh, prostate cancer. And uh, you will remember, uh, well, I should get to this first, I guess. Mm -hmm. When I was diagnosed, I told everyone close to me, except you and my dad. Mm. Why, uh, wh I, why was I'll, that choice made? Yeah. For my dad, he was 92. Yeah. I knew he was going to be around much longer, and he was a chronic worrier. And I didn't want yeah. him to worry. Yeah, yeah. For you... You still had fresh wounds from losing Chez. And I couldn't do that to you. I couldn't call you up and say, I, I, you know, I could do this for another year and then yeah. probably not. Uh, so I waited like two, maybe more than two years to let you know uh, how I had been diagnosed. And I have to emphasize that no one has been uh, more an ear for me, uh, more supportive of me aside from Marsha, my wife, of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no one has been uh, a better, you're a guy, see, so <laughs> you have that advantage over my wife. No one in that regard has been closer to me on this than you have remained with your support throughout all of this, and I cannot thank you enough. And and I want to go over sure. something else, if I may. Sure, sure. Going through all of this, let's look at the timeline. I was diagnosed in March 2019. Um Trump was still the president. Yeah. My newscast had grown to an hour, sometimes longer. Uh, I was putting in 13-hour work days on the day before the show, and I was waiting for Inauguration Day so I could finally retire. Mm -hmm. uh, in December 2019, my folks called for help, uh, and I spent January in Kansas taking care of their affairs and putting them into assisted living. Yeah, yeah. I uh, then, of course, my dad died in May 2020. My stepmom died in uh, November of 2020. I was executing my folks' funerals and estate, and that went on for some time with accountants and bankers and lawyers. Um, all the while, uh, uh, and then came the period, and, and all of this occurs during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, and and the doctor getting fired, and uh, then the radiation therapy I mentioned. I had to go in for forty four business days. Yeah. Uh, to get a very brief uh, radiation. It was low dose, very brief. The idea was a little bit each day for a, a very long time. Uh, and and uh, that's what eventually killed the cancer. Just before the hormone medicine stopped working, and I'm sorry I'm telling this all out of order, but there's so that's much and I, it's hard to remember fine. all of this. Yeah. But uh, just I mentioned the, the hormone medicine stopped working at a, at a certain point, and mm -hmm. we knew that was going to happen, and I found out that radiation was the next step. But what we also learned in that transition is that the hormone therapy had worked until it didn't, and it worked just long enough, and this is miraculous to me, yeah. it worked just long enough to kill the metastasis. I remember it that, killed, yeah. It starved out the metastasis that had appeared on a nearby lymph node. So now the cancer is back to where it started, limited to that one area, and being starved uh, for the lack of testosterone. When the testosterone started to come back up again, it was obvious the medicine wasn't working anymore. I, I ran the proper course on that, and then it was time to start these 44 Radio, I mean, driving, it's like a half-hour drive, not a big deal. But every day, I mean, our lives, both our lives had to be planned around the fact that, because we're down to one car now, uh, yeah. planned around the fact that uh, every day from X time to X time, uh, I would be gone for this. Uh, we did this through a hurricane. Uh, there was a hurricane, <laughs> and they were, they were shut down for a couple of days. Yeah. They called me. They said, can you come in on Saturday? I said, sure. You know, because I wanted to get through the 44 days as quickly as possible. <laughs> and you remember what it was like because I had to drink enormous amounts of water <laughs> because in order to, to take their pictures and do their treatment, they needed uh, the human bladder to be expanded to the largest possible size without actually exploding. Yeah. Uh, and so I had to go in with a very full bladder and, and I was under instructions to drink and drink and drink and drink and not pee uh, at a certain point. I had, like, peeing schedules just so I, you know, would have a full <laughs> bladder when I got to the radiation treatment. And this went on for 44 days. Yeah. I don't know if that seems like a long time to anybody else, but to me it seemed like an eternity, and I got clear of that. And uh, after a period of time, takes a time, it takes a little time for the radiation to work. Uh, and I am pleased to report that, uh, what are we now about six months out from the end of my radiation treatments, uh, my PSA, which you recall, mm -hmm. and those of you taking notes at home <laughs> know that it was a 175. Uh, as of yesterday, it was 1.835. Wow. So that's oh. less than 175. I yeah. Know and you know, yeah. when you reported to me that the cancer had disappeared from that lymph node, the metastasis was gone. At that point, that's when I knew that you were going to be okay. I felt such a sense of relief, yeah, not just for you, but but for me. I mean, it was a <laughs> it was a happy, well, happy, happy, happy bit of news. I can't emphasize how relieved I was. Well, people have uh, thanked me or acknowledged me lately for the support that I've tried to give you uh, during. Uh, this difficult time with your dad, yeah. and and uh, what I'm here to say today is that that all pales in comparison to the support that you gave me through all of this. Uh, it, like I said, I I feel badly about not telling you, but I could not burden you that soon after the loss of Chez. So I waited, like I said, two more than two years, perhaps to even tell you, yeah. you know, one of my closest, dearest friends, uh, what was happening to me. Yeah. And through it all, I kept writing the jokes. Yes, you did. Yeah, kept doing, I mean, you only missed shows when you had to go to Kansas to help your parents. I mean, right. th that was an incredible feat. I mean, think back to the last two, three years, four years of this podcast, and every Tuesday, Buzz is here telling jokes, delivering like a professional, and kicking all kinds of ass while at the same time dealing with this gigantic anvil hanging over his head. An enormous, enormous feat. And, and just while and I'm talking... In, in the pandemic, all the, way, all yeah, the while through the pandemic. Exactly. Yeah. And, and while I'm saying all this... I would be remiss if I didn't emphasize your incredible attitude, your inspirational attitude throughout the whole thing. Uh, there had to have been 
myriad dark days for you. And yet <sighs> you, you presented yourself with the professional Buzz Burbank personality and optimism and integrity that you have always had. And that is an enormous accomplishment. It was the same with your dad and your stepmom and, and dealing with all of that which, on top of everything I was else. Juggling at the same time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just a Herculean what you were able to well, accomplish uh, just from an emotional, psychological point of view. Like I've said to you before, in my situation and in yours, you'd be surprised uh, the occasions to which you can rise. Oh, that actually yeah. sort of rhymes. <laughs> uh, you'd be surprised at what you, and I'm talking to everybody listening now, you'd mm. be surprised at what you can do when you have to. Yeah. yeah. And uh, sometimes you, you know, I I am an optimist, but I also think I am a realist and I'm, I've become pretty good, for better or worse, at accepting certain truths and, uh, you know, uh, the, my acceptance of the loss of sexuality, for example. Yeah. My acceptance of the fact that I may be dying. You may recall, and I'm not done yet, I've been sending Bob stuff over the over the last few years <laughs> yeah. that, uh, that, I, that I want him to have of mine. And there are more things, and I have things here that I want to go to other people, and I found myself thinking about that. In fact, I started looking around the house and thinking, I don't need that anymore. I've gotten all the enjoyment out of it I could possibly get. Uh, <laughs> I should give that to somebody. And then if I have somebody specific in mind, away it goes. And and so I've had some things for you, and I'll have more. Mm. But I found myself thinking in those terms. Yeah. And uh, not really grim. I mean, it was, sure. And, you know, you, you yeah, there were dark periods where uh, – uh, Neil Diamond's "Done Too Soon" seems like the right song for the for the moment, you know. Um, yeah, so I certainly had those dark periods. But I, I and, and about the jokes through all the through the pandemic and the cancer and the, you know and the, my folks and all of that all happening at once and Trump and you know yeah and uh, hurricanes even you know and pre preparing for hurricanes all of this through all that period of time. I think about uh, the late actor Edmund Gwynn, who played uh, Santa Claus in the original Miracle on 40, uh, 34th Street. Yeah. He was a renowned British Shakespearean actor. Uh, and on his deathbed, he was asked, is dying hard? And uh, Edmund Gwynn uh, looked up and said, dying is easy. Comedy is hard. <laughs> <laughs> and... What I, I found that. out, what I found out, and all the time, I'm sort of learning on the job with the jokes, right? Um, mm -hmm. I, I haven't paid my dues in clubs. I've been on a stand-up stage once in my life, and it was okay, you know? It was, <laughs> but I, it gave me an insight to the world. I've studied comedians and comedy and jokes uh, and admired people like Carlin and Seinfeld and because they're... They, uh, because of the attention they pay to words. Mm. And so I've learned what I can. And although I have not paid my dues, I made it my mission. I just thought, well, I don't know. It started with maybe one joke, maybe two, and it, it's turned into a monologue now. And it's really been uh, like being with you on the show itself. And, and even if there was no monologue, that was good therapy. Uh, doing this comedy, which is the, 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 the jokes that open the show, uh, uh, something... That was not my field, <laughs> you know. Um, I, I think it's gone pretty well, and it's yeah. been such great therapy for me. Mm -hmm. uh, it has been the hardest, it continues to be, the hardest and most rewarding thing I have ever done writing those jokes. And I, you know, I, they're not all funny, and uh, not all monologues are funny, but you, you know, you have to keep going and do the very best you can. And, uh, you know, I'm editing those things right down to airtime. And this was all therapy for me. Uh, it was uh, ironic uh, therapy. You know, the answer, I'm, uh, I may be dying. Let's tell some jokes, you know, and because that's one way I think we respond to difficult times. Mm -hmm. and, and so for me, it was great therapy and uh it's turned out well i think yeah yeah and just going back to the things you started to send to me which i'm always grateful for especially this mutually autographed photo of johnny carson and david <laughs> letterman which hangs on my wall right now you can see it in every single one of the videos i do uh for instagram and twitter and every time i see that now i feel 
so much better about it than I did yeah. when I first received it. Because when I yeah, first received I it. it, I was so thrilled with it while at the same time going, mm-hmm. oh my God, Buzz is going around his house picking out stuff to give away because he's <laughs> dying. Right. And I'm That's like, right. oh, fuck. Uh, finally, a chance to get rid of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, in that, in that case, I mean, first of all, I thought it was very appropriate. I yes. thought, I thought, yes. Uh, there was uh, something I liked very much about that connection yeah, and our about. connection, and and so I wanted you to have it. Yeah. Uh, but also, I I had it had hung on my wall for many years, and I got much enjoyment out of it. And mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need it now. I had it. You know. Uh, <laughs> so I, you know, I'm glad you have it now. And but yeah, I, I, I to this day I still look around, even though I'm going to live and going. Well, that's you know that's got to go to my nephew. You know? so, <laughs> And I will never forget when you first told me uh, that you received this diagnosis. And in the same moment, you also told me how much time they gave you. That was obviously not easy news to take. Um, I was glad that you felt uh, close enough to me to be able to reveal all of that and to talk to me about it. I wanted to tell you right away, but I didn't want you to hurt any more than you were already hurting. The thing is that um, that gets compartmentalized because then I start thinking more exclusively about my friend who is still living, uh, my very close friend, and (laughs) my God, my mentor, my radio mentor for... Now, 30 years exactly right now, uh, wow. when we first uh, started working together. Well, the, the very least I could do for you, Buzz, was I, I to, uh, to at least be a, a shoulder to cry on, someone you could talk to, someone you could confide in. And uh, I, I'm just I'm glad that I was able to at least do that. Well, misery, misery loves company. (laughs) No, I, like I said, I wanted to tell you right away. And uh, so I I waited as long as I could and told you as soon as I could. And I I wanted to find that balance of, has it been long enough uh, yet to to tell him this? Uh, You know, and. I, I just hated the idea of having to leave the show. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I want to keep doing this. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's wonderful. I also wanted to say, too, that I, in turn, leaned a lot on Kimberly uh, because I wanted to keep this as private for you as possible. I, I needed to talk to someone, and that's of Kimberly. Course, so, of course, of course. But, but anyone else, and that was... Um, right. that was a bit of a challenge, I'll admit, but ultimately one that <laughs> paled in comparison to the challenge you were facing, and that that was obviously in and of itself inspiring. Yeah, um, I was doing some some juggling, by the way, because yeah. there were people I'd told and people I hadn't told. I mean, there were some <laughs> people who who didn't get told and still haven't been told because yeah. well, it wasn't any of their business. They didn't. There was a, they weren't on a need to know basis. Mm. Uh, but but there were people. I needed uh, support right away, and I didn't want to burden you. I decided to burden you later, uh, but I, I I didn't want to burden you at the time. But I knew that I needed to uh, I needed somebody, people to help me carry the load. And, and thankfully, uh, in addition to my wonderful wife Marcia, I have dear friends here in Florida uh, who are really more than friends. They're family at this point, and I'm proud to be part of their family. We are and. Uh, you know, so I, I had them and just a couple of other select people, uh, and God, I wanted to tell you, but I, I did, but I didn't. And so I had to find the right balance and just the right day to bring you that, that news. Uh, and then, and, uh, you know, I mean, you, you did help me carry that burden. You were, like I said, the perfect support. You were the guy I could talk to about this. And so I, I thank you very much for that. And, I'll, I'll be forever grateful for it. Um, well, thank you. We also have to take a second for a round of applause for Marsha, of course, because yeah. oh, she is a, a tremendous woman who I'm sure was with you every step of the way, uh, supporting you, encouraging you, and most importantly, just being there for you during the most difficult times. I mean, she she's an incredible person. She had to adjust her grocery shopping schedule to accommodate my radiation treatments. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And this was, oh, man, I, you know, I think the person who had the hardest time with this was probably Marsha. Yeah, yeah. And um, she, that's not a brag. It's just that she <laughs> she was really worried about uh, 
oh, things like how to run the TV when I'm gone, you know, oh. uh, uh, you know, I, I handle the finances, uh, and, and, you know, I've offered to teach her many times. No, she would rather I stuck around and did it. Uh, but uh, but uh, she was fearful of what life was going to be like and whether she'd be able to handle stuff without me. Yeah. Uh, and she was not looking forward to that. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I, I know it, uh, that weighed on her very heavily, life without me. And, and perhaps there may have been an emotional connection as well. But uh, uh, not just utilitarian purposes, but she really was concerned, oh, my God, what am I going to do without him? And uh, that that tore me up. That was the that was harder for me than just about anything. And next to telling you. So when you get this diagnosis, the initial diagnosis that included the amount of time you had left, right. was there a planning process for you and Marsha in terms of well, here's what here's how we'd like to spend this remaining time? Was there well that it was it was vague and uncertain. Yeah. I, I will say, you know, uh, I'm I'm happy with my life. So. I could have done that. Um, wouldn't it's not my preference? Certainly, you know, I'd rather be around. But if that was the way it was going to go, then uh, you know, I and there would be certain things I'd want to do. But I don't, and maybe this is to my detriment. I don't have huge aspirations, at least at this point in my life. I'm really satisfied with my life. Really happy with the way things have turned out, despite <laughs> the unexpected change in my yeah, life. Yeah. Um, I get to live, and I feel fine. I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. I'm getting the greatest care. I am cancer-free at this point. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm grateful for all of those things. And I really, I didn't want sympathy. I didn't want people laughing at the jokes because, oh, we better laugh at his jokes because he's dying soon. <laughs> you know, I didn't want any, I didn't want any of that. The make-a-wish monologue is what it was right. then, yeah. Exactly. And I, I, I didn't want that then, and I don't want it now. Yeah. Uh, what I want is for uh, men and people who care about men uh, to make sure that you get that PSA checked if you're uh, over the age of 40 for a black man, if you're over the age of 50 for all men, uh, get that test, stay up to date on it. Don't let what has happened to me happen to you. What's happened to me didn't kill me, but it could have. It did take away my sex life. It did take away my strength. It will take away things that many men see as defining themselves as men. Yeah. Uh, I, I like to think that I'm still reasonably masculine. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not that I was ever, you know, incredibly masculine, but 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 I think I still <laughs> fall into that category. I got to keep my voice and Morgul as the friendly drelb. I got to keep that. Uh, you know, so I'm grateful for all that. I'm grateful for my life and I'm grateful that I got to, to beat cancer with the help of, like I said, some amazing doctors and technicians and nurses and wonderful people. Yeah. Um, just out of curiosity, what was the diagnosis as far as, uh, the possibility of removing your prostate? Cause don't they do that sometimes where they just well, actually they go in and remove they, the whole prostate? They, they do. And every case is different. Every story is different. Uh, every degree of severity is different. And mm -hmm. uh, for some people, this is not a big deal. You, you catch it early. That's the point guys of getting that PSA test on a regular basis. Yeah. You catch it early. This doesn't have to happen. It doesn't have to go this way or any of the other horrible ways you've, you've gone. So uh, everybody's different. Mm -hmm. And in my case, my doctor, the one who jabbed me with the three uh, empty, you know, core needles, mm -hmm. uh, he told me right away that surgery was, uh, that I, there were, there wasn't going to be surgery. Surgery was out mm -hmm. and, and, and may have been because of the metastasis. I'm not sure why. Uh, surgery was ruled out. I'm kind of glad it was. Uh, he seemed to think, and uh, my doctors have seemed to think, that surgery was a good thing to avoid if you could. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, they, they went about other ways of killing the cancer, starving it out, uh, which is basically the treatment. Again, no, and the, that was the other assurance from the doctor from the get-go, and the promise has been kept, no chemotherapy. It went... Uh, Hormone therapy, I, the shot is not a big deal. Once every six months, what do I care? Uh, I don't take the pill anymore. That was once a day for a while. Uh, and uh, then I went 44 days for radiation, but that's all done now. So now it's just uh, one shot every six months and, you know, keeping in touch with the doctor. So it, it, it's. I'm glad that it went the way it went. They kept their promise of no surgery. They kept their promise of no chemotherapy.
One of the things that I think is so inspiring about this story, and I think one of the most valuable reasons why we're talking about this in the first place, is not just to relate what you went through, but to also emphasize the fact that with this diagnosis, even when you're given a, a, a death diagnosis, we're going to say, well, you've got five years left. In that time, you can still kind of lead a reasonably oh, yeah. normal life. Absolutely. I, you know, despite the weird schedule with the, you know, oh, it's time to drive to the radiation treatment or, oh, I got to drink another quart of water. Yeah. Uh, aside from those kinds of things, uh, life has been, has been completely normal. Yeah. I feel great. Uh, my, I just uh, saw doctors. My numbers are great. Uh, I'm fine. I'm fine, and I'm going to be fine. And and I never, I didn't think I was going to be saying that after bringing you the initial news when when I did. So going back to the PSA test and its efficacy, would it also behoove people, behoove men, to request the digital exam, the dreaded digital <laughs> exam of the prostate? Uh, uh, versus the PSA <laughs> test alone. Only, only if you prefer it. No, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm reading. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm reading that uh, <laughs> the doctors need to do that more. Yeah. Doctors hate doing that. Uh-huh. I, I don't I don't care what you think. They hate doing it more mm-hmm. than you hate having it done. And if you listen to them and relax like you're supposed to, it's not invasive, not terribly invasive and over very quickly. Yeah. But it, a digital exam can be helpful. The PSA test is is no guarantee. That, that much is true. Uh, a bad PSA test doesn't necessarily mean you have cancer. A good PSA test doesn't necessarily mean you don't. But it's a starting place. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, uh, you, if you have any concerns, then you should, you should pursue that uh, mm-hmm. uh, and discuss that with your doctor. But, yeah, guys, pay attention attention to this because this is really avoidable. What happened to me, I mean, I, I took those herbal supplements. I didn't know. Uh, I was told that the PSA test meant nothing. Some of my doctors believed that the PSA test meant nothing. Some of them diagnosed it as a low-grade infection. Here's an antibiotic. There was a lot going on there. A lot of people to blame. That institute that put out that study is to blame. The National Cancer Institute is to blame. Some of my doctors are to blame. Some of my recent uh, urologists have told me the first guy missed some stuff in, the, in those 12 needles. Wow. That, they came back and told me when they, so uh, there may be uh, some medical malpractice there of a sort, and so I have blame. The doctors have blame. The institutions have blame, uh, and all of it was avoidable. And I, like I said, didn't want to come out with this before because I didn't want sympathy. I wanted to wait until I was in the clear. That uh, wait until I had been declared in remission uh, to then come to you and say, men over fifty. Get your PSA checked. Black men over 40, get your PSA checked and stay on it year after year after year after year uh, if you want to keep humping. Yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> and, right. And, and living. I, I mean, one of the things that um, is becoming more and more commonplace uh, for men over 50 is testosterone yeah. replacement therapy. Yes. And I, I can only imagine if you had gone down that road. And so I think one of the lessons to come out of this is if you choose to go on testosterone replacement therapy, which is, I mean, there are myriad benefits to it. Um, there are people who that's need for it, sure. yes. Yes. And, and at the same time, make sure that whoever your doctor is, whether it's one of these anti-aging doctors or whether it's a urologist or an endocrinologist, make sure that doctor is concurrently checking your PSA, checking your hematocrit, mm-hmm. checking uh, your metabolic panel as far as blood it's- tests go, that there are no side effects like, for example, Prostate cancer, which can actually occur as a consequence of some of the uh, testosterone metabolites like DHT and estrogen. I didn't feel any differently when my PSA was 6 than when it was 175. So I had no way of knowing without a medical exam what was going on there. Right, right. I mean, were there symptoms of, uh, what do they call that, uh, uh, benign prostate hypertrophy, like where you have trouble no, peeing or I, anything like no, that? No, 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 yeah. no trouble of that sort whatsoever, no mm. functional trouble of any kind. Everything, right, up until, right up until the hormone medicine kicked in, everything was working great, yeah. uh, you know, and then, and then that all changed. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's very, very important to stay on top of that. That's really why I've waited till now to tell the audience what's mm-hmm. going on. It's not for sympathy. If anything, just be glad it's over and, 
you don't have to hear about it anymore. But uh, it's, it's it's taken care of, and and uh, I just didn't I didn't want sympathy, but I thought the message of getting your PSA checked was important enough to share with you my unique story. It's all so crucial to stay on top of this stuff. And this is one of the reasons why we talk about healthcare and, and healthcare reform mm. and, and making mm. sure because now some of these preventative measures are are paid for because of the Affordable Care so, Act and yeah, things like that. Yeah. Some some of the, yeah, if you're testing on a regular basis, uh, an annual basis, whatever it happens to be, some of that testing might actually be uh, uh, covered in your insurance policy, which uh, is certainly helpful. So, um, and, and on that subject, if I may, uh, Medicare and uh, mm-hmm. my supplemental insurance covered it all. I, I've paid nothing for these treatments. And Incredible. You know, you know that 44 radiation treatments and... Uh, all this hormone medication, uh, you know that wasn't cheap. Yeah. You know the doctors weren't cheap. The machines, the scans, the body scans, uh, none of those things were cheap. Uh, I never, I didn't pay a dime for any of this. Well, my friend, I am yes. so glad that we've gotten to this place where, uh, you know, after you heard the news of remission, we got the, you sent me that text message, and it was just like, especially given what I'm going through right now with my family. It yes. was such an incredible relief, and uh, I'm so thrilled for you. And uh, even more importantly, <laughs> many uh-huh. more years of shows to come. So get ready to write many more monologues. Well, if don't get, if don't get happy. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not dead yet. <laughs> yeah, well, see, that's the other thing. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you realize that Buzz uh, Burbank is indestructible. I, that's, I've oh. just come to the conclusion that you are your whole body is like iron. I mean, my God, the I things had, that you have survived. <laughs> I, I have cheated death to my knowledge four times in my lifetime. Incredible. I, I mean, I laugh in the face of death, Bob. Because yeah. if you don't, if you don't laugh, you cry. Uh, but we won't get into all of those because uh, let's end let's end it the way we began it. I hate it when old people talk about their maladies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm always here for it. So if you you, you can keep telling me, because you know what I do, what? That, it encourages me to make sure that my health is up to snuff, and that makes Good. me yeah, please, uh, please be more diligent when it comes to contacting my Good. doctor and setting up uh, what I need to set up. So it's and all my my work here is through. Guys, make your appointment, get yeah. your PSA check, so you know where you stand. Well, uh, you are a true inspiration. Your attitude through this, your perseverance, your tenacity, your optimistic attitude, or at least seemingly optimistic attitude, yeah. it seems to me as if it's incredibly rare. I don't imagine that a lot of people, when confronted with this diagnosis, I know how I would behave if I received this diagnosis, and I hope that I would handle it as well as you have with that level of aplomb because just sitting here without the diagnosis i would think fuck that would be it for me i would be so incredibly devastated i don't know i wouldn't be able to function my philosophy is and maybe this isn't true for everybody but I, i think we have a tendency to rise to the occasion well, okay, my friend, this was uh, an incredibly honest thing for you to do, an incredibly open thing for you to do, and I yeah, think we got this, this will, out of the way. <laughs> this will help many people. And you know what? We have been talking about this for uh, yeah, some time yeah. now. Like, okay, do you are we going to do it? Yeah. When are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? Right. And uh, in fact, we were going to do it next week, and so my guest for today ended up dropping out. So we said, "Well, do you want to do it?" today and you were yeah. kind enough to so, agree to that i i had like an hour's notice to talk about my near uh, my brush with death so yeah. <laughs> you know sometimes uh, that makes it better yeah, sometimes you're all you're, you're you know you're always easy to talk to as far as i'm concerned and it's always a pleasure well i'm sure that uh, through this process you've helped quite a few guys uh I hope at so. least be aware of it to the point where you know what we may save a couple of lives in this process Please, that would be nice. Yeah. And uh, better lives. Uh, you you yeah. get to live and you get to have a better life if you keep on top of that. Yes, indeed. Well, great talk, yeah. my friend. Man's soul's on track. A strange scene plays out. Oh, there's an open door. Silent in a dream 
Oh, no. 